Worship. It's a word commonly used in the church. I imagine for many of us, when we think of that word, maybe the first thing that comes to mind is singing at church. And yes, that is an example of worship. But worship is so much more. At its most primal level, worship is simply when we orient and even reorient our life around someone or something. Uh, With this definition in mind, yes, there are many ways we can worship God, many ways we can orient our life around him more than just singing in church. But it also means that there are many things or even people that we can worship. David Foster Wallace, uh, who was a novelist and social critic, once gave a now famous commencement speech in which he said, In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power. You will feel weak and afraid, and you will need even more power over others to keep the fear at bay. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, and you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, and always on the verge of being found out. You see, the question isn't, do you worship? It's who or what do you worship? And if we become like who or what we worship— As all of the great wisdom traditions have long said, then the question we must ask is, what kind of person is my worship forming me into? Today we arrive at the final session of our sermon series on the spiritual practice of Sabbath. This whole teaching series has been shaped around the four definitions of the word Sabbath, stop, rest, delight, and worship. And today we'll focus on what is arguably the most important of all four. The Sabbath is a day for worship. Where does this idea come from? Well, let's read a passage we've looked at every week uh, during our time together, and we'll look at it for one last time. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It says, By the seventh day... God had finished the work he had been doing, and so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Okay, look back at verse 2 and notice the two things God did on Sabbath. First is God blessed the Sabbath. He blessed the seventh day. Uh, the word blessed here is, is the word barak in Hebrew, and it can be translated to make happy. Uh, the Sabbath is a happy day, a day where we experience joy and delight. We, we unpacked that concept of Sabbath delight in the previous session. 
But notice the second thing God did on Sabbath. That is, it says, God made it holy. Holy is another one of those churchy words. It's a pretty religious sounding word. And for me, as someone who grew up in the church, the term holy or holiness often carries connotations of hyperlegalism or self-righteousness. I mean, the phrase holier than thou speaks to this attitude of moral superiority. And that's because we tend to think of holiness as a moral descriptor, right? As a way of saying that something or someone is good or evil, they're holy or they're unholy. And although there are times when aspects of, of moral righteousness are connected to holiness, on its own, the term holy doesn't actually refer to piety, piety or even perfection. In Hebrew, the word holy is the word kadash. And in its simplest terms, it means unique, special, or uncommon. Uh, the theological definition would be set aside or, or set apart for God's special purposes. In the Torah, which are the first five books of the Bible, uh, there are uh, holy pots and holy pans, holy utensils uh, for the tabernacle. Now, a fork or a knife can't be good or evil, right? But it can be set apart for a specific purpose. In that case, uh, just for use in the temple and not for use for family dinner on Taco Tuesday. In my house, we have a special birthday plate. Uh, there really isn't anything special about the plate. It's glass, and it says, let's celebrate on it. But that's really it. But it's a plate that our boys get to use on their birthdays. It's a holy plate. It's unique. It's special. It's set apart. It's not lost in the sea of all the other plates in my house because it's a plate that's reserved for a specific purpose. What our birthday plate is to everyday plateware the Sabbath is to the rest of the week. It's holy, unique, special, set apart. The Sabbath is to be this holy and, and set apart day. But the question that we then have to ask is, well, set apart for what? Or maybe the better question is for who? Flip over to Exodus chapter 16. And in verse 23, we see Moses giving instruction to the people of Israel regarding the Sabbath. And here in verse 23, he says uh, to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Now take note of that phrase, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. That can be translated set apart to the Lord or, or dedicated for the Lord. The Sabbath is an entire day set apart, not just for stopping or resting or even delighting and experiencing joy, but it's a day set apart for the Lord himself, a day of worship. To use the definition I gave earlier, worshiping God at its most primal level is anything we do in order to orient or reorient our life around him. He is our creator and he is at the center. Worship is a, a way in which we lay down our entire life before him in love, to, a, a way we deepen our surrender to his love. Yes, one of the ways we can do that is through worshiping by singing, but there are so many more ways we worship. We worship and, and, and we surrender and reorient our life around Jesus when, when we're giving of our time or our resources or our attention 
to God or to others. Uh, we, we worship uh, when, when, we, when we give our affections to God in prayer, when, when we yield our will to God in our decision makings. Uh, we, we worship um, when anything that we do that centers our life on God and intentionally and, and directly uh, redirects our hearts, our love towards Him, all of these things are considered our forms of worship. Worship is a way in which we reorient our life, our being, to notice and focus and, and give uh, God's goodness and his beauty. So yes, the Sabbath is a day to stop and to rest and to refill our tank, as we've learned. And yes, it is a day to delight and throw a party and celebrate and feast and eat good food. But above all, it's a day to contemplate the good news that God has given his life to us in Jesus. And, and now it is, it's our joy, it's our privilege, our gratitude to give our lives back to him in worship. It's a day to be present to and deepen our, our communion with the God who is already present with us. The days when I know that I Sabbathed well, and that's kind of an interesting concept to unpack anyways, like how do you Sabbath good or Sabbath bad, but to not make it too legalistic. The days when I know I Sabbathed well aren't just because I didn't answer work emails or because I got to take a nap or eat good food. The days when I, when I know, not just in my mind, but I feel it in my soul, that I Sabbathed well is because I made space for, for my heart, for my mind, for my, my soul, for my body to come back awake and alive to God and his goodness. In the Ten Commandments, we read, uh, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The implication here is that the Sabbath is holy. It is. It's unique. It's set apart. But our job is to keep it holy. Uh, the Jews they, who, who, who practice Sabbath, they actually don't talk about practicing Sabbath. Uh, they, they talk about keeping the Sabbath. Like it's a treasure that we have to keep and watch over and be intentional in preserving because it's unique. It's special. It's not like the other six days of the week. Now I imagine some of you may be thinking, wait a minute, like how is one day more holy than the other days? I mean, isn't all of life supposed to be holy? And the answer is yes. But the reality is most of the week, right, is common. It's ununique, right? We, we're getting through our email inbox. We're cooking dinner. We're sitting in class. We're shuttling kids around to school or activities. We're doing dishes or laundry or mowing the lawn. And it's not that God isn't present in those moments. He absolutely is. It's that much of life is, is kind of getting through the maintenance of the everyday. So Sabbath is this weekly opportunity for us to set aside a day to intentionally worship God, to intentionally reorient our lives back around God as our center. It's not that the other six days aren't holy or aren't about worship, but, but it's in fact the opposite. We, we set aside a day for worship so that all seven days can become worshipful. It reminds me of why like date night is an important part of my marriage. And I wish it happened as consistently as once a week like Sabbath, but that's just not our reality in this season of life with littles at home. 
It's not that I only spend time with Garrett on date night, right? Or, or that I only communicate or show how I love him on date night. No, we are together every day. There are small ways and big ways every single day that I show, that he shows and communicates love. But there is something about the intentionality of setting aside a special day or an evening or even just a few hours to focus on one another, to recalibrate our relationship in such a way that allows that to to pour into, to feed into all of the common, normal, non-date night days of the week. Garrett, uh, I actually officiated a wedding uh, last weekend in Southern California, and um, I've got a companion pass on Southwest, and so we booked Garrett a flight too. And we got to have two days of uh, hanging out in a hotel and sleeping in and having breakfast. And yeah, that's not our normal reality, but it was such a gift, such a unique thing to have that special, set-apart, holy time together. And Sabbath is like the same. Sabbath is a day that is set apart, that is unique, where we can worship. It's a way for us one day a week to build a life of worship. It ultimately isn't about one day, right? It's about the whole of our lives. The goal of Sabbath isn't Sabbath. The goal of Sabbath is Jesus. The end that we're after in life is a life that abides in Jesus. If you remember back to the start of 2023, when uh, we, we first started talking through these spiritual practices and we unpacked John 15, where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. The goal of our spiritual life is to remain connected to the vine, to abide in Jesus. And the spiritual practices that we've been studying so far this year and the ones we'll cover in the months to come, like prayer and fasting, Sabbath and scripture reading, uh, those practices serve as the trellis for our spiritual life and growth, right? They're the framework, the support, just as a trellis helps support uh, grape branches so that they can grow and stay connected to the vine, spiritual practice are, are that framework, that support system for us to help us as branches stay connected to Jesus, our vine, and experience growth and transformation and flourishing in him. You see, Sabbath isn't the goal. Abiding in Jesus is the goal. And Sabbath is this beautiful gift from God in which we can regularly habitually, like clockwork, every seven days, reorient our life to continue to abide in Jesus. It doesn't matter what the week held, how good or how bad it was, how challenging or how amazing it was, all of the ways that we might have been pulled in different directions or, or, or pulled off track and, and, and led to worship other things. Sabbath is this weekly opportunity to reorient, to recalibrate back to a life of abiding in Jesus, a weekly opportunity to surrender our will to God's will, a weekly opportunity to to release control and to grow in our trust of him, a means by which we can recalibrate and identify any ways in which our heart has been misaligned or shifted towards worshiping other things and instead realign our worship to God, right? Reorienting our life as him at the center. Sabbath is not just about stopping or resting or delighting. Sabbath has to be about worship. Will Smith wrote a memoir a few years ago, and uh, toward the end of the book, he shares a story of a conversation he had with his oldest son. 
and uh, his son uh, was a Christian and, 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 and growing in his faith. And, and he had this conversation with his dad where he asked him, Dad, what do you worship? And Smith says, I worship God. And then his son replies with, but are you sure? Now, Will Smith, who's one of the most famous actors, celebrities of our day, right, who's been interviewed hundreds, thousands of times maybe throughout his career, He's been asked thousands and thousands of questions, and he says that that question his son asked him that day was the most provocative and difficult question he had ever been asked in his life. What do you worship, and are you sure? What do I worship? What do I most orient my life around? What is that for you? I mean, we know the answer, right? We, we may even say, yeah, the answer is God. But are we sure? Is that actually what is reflected in our lives? Sabbath is this weekly invitation to explore those questions honestly with God and to keep coming back to him. Because the reality is we will worship something. We will orient our lives around something or someone, put our faith, hope, and love onto something, find our identity, community, and our sense of meaning and purpose and even morality in something. We will pursue it, sacrifice for it, discipline ourselves for it, love it. The question is, is not will we or won't we, the question is simply what? And no matter how good or noble a pursuit is the moment we elevate a created thing to the place reserved for the creator, we immediately ruin it. And in so doing, ruin ourselves. Because the reality is nothing can bear up under the weight of our worship other than the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sabbath is a weekly, unique, set-apart day for us to worship and align our heart to the only one who is worthy of that worship. I'll close with this. We've spent an entire four sessions unpacking the spiritual practice of Sabbath. And I imagine for most of us, all this concept of Sabbath sounds wonderful, beautiful. It is absolutely very overwhelming. I've said it before and I'll say it again, that if, if you are feeling that overwhelm right now, that's okay. You see, the goal of this series was not so that we all would have this practice mastered by the end. No, our, our, our goal, our, our hope was that this series would spark the beginning of a lifelong journey into Sabbath. Again, not because Sabbath is the goal, but because Sabbath is such a beautiful way to help us abide in Jesus and that's the goal. And so because this is a lifelong journey, our hope, our goal is, is that we would just take a step. If you're just getting started with Sabbath, if the spiritual practice is newer to you, it's absolutely overwhelming to think about a full 24-hour period of your life each week to stop, rest, delight, and worship God where you fully surrender and trust and reorient your life around Him as your center. Of course, that will feel overwhelming. And so start small. Start in whatever way you can, right where you are. 
The companion guide for this series is a great resource to continue to use as you figure out what Sabbath looks like for you. There'll be a section on this topic of the conversation on worship, but there's also a, a section at the end of the companion guide, uh, a keep going section. It, it'll provide guidance for continued learning and growth even after this teaching series ends. The point is to start in whatever time and way you can. It reminds me of one of my favorite movies of all time, What About Bob, a cinematic classic starring Bill Murray, uh, because if you know that movie, you know baby steps, right? Baby steps out of the office, baby steps to the hall, baby steps to the elevator, baby steps onto the elevator. If you haven't seen the movie, this won't make any sense, but do yourself a favor. My gift to you is watch it this week. The point is, it's okay to baby step your way into Sabbath. And as you do that, my hope, my prayer is that this will become an invaluable practice to your life and spiritual formation that helps you know Jesus more fully, that helps you experience his great love for you more deeply, and that helps you form you into a person of love as you abide in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of Sabbath, for this holy, unique, set-apart day where we can come to you and we can stop and find rest and delight and worship in you. God, may you teach us how to develop this essential habit practice in our lives. Not so that we can have one more religious thing to check off our to-do list, but so that we can remain connected to you, so that we can abide in Jesus, so that we can live a life that is marked by surrender and trust and deep love and worship for you, the one true God, the only thing or person that is worthy and can handle the weight of our worship. We pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.